Welcome to Season 1 of Instrumental. I'm your host, Amber Petty. this room first where are we what are you allowed to give away in terms of where are we well i've just walked into your studio yeah and how many keyboards are around on every single wall i don't know a lot they're everywhere there's yeah there's definitely a lot it's um i think it just comes from the hoarding it's like Uh, a keyboard temple yeah it's it's, a shrine it's in my family yeah. We're a bunch of hoarders. Are you? Yeah. So I, I never these... thought I was, but but. But you suddenly realised I you am. Are. Yeah. When I when I put this room together, I was like, oh my god, look how many freaking keyboards I've all I've amassed. But it's it's just been, I'm I'm an eBay gun Gumby uh, gun gum tree yeah. fanatic, and uh, so I just all... look for bargains. And when it, I I know what I'm looking for, and when I find it cheap, I grab it because I just know that it's. A good deal. So what, I mean, excuse my ignorance, but, Mm -hmm. like, you've obviously, I mean, you know, you've been on the journey with piano and keyboards for a long time now. Yeah. Why do you need all of these? Isn't isn't it kind of a little bit like, I mean, of course, you've got, like, this one in front of me. Yeah. That looks very retro. Yeah. Very cool. Everything's basically retro. Is it? Until until hiatus started, and we started getting um, a bit of acclaim and... and, uh, just a bit. People were talking about us, and then we were able to get uh, companies to sort to of help you out, help us out. Then we started getting more new stuff. Right. But everything that I've bought myself has generally been between the the seventies and sixties, or even earlier, like stuff I've gotten from the fifties to to wow. to the eighties. So, are you yeah. hanging on to a lot of it for sentimental rather than actual? Or no, is there a they, reason why you go all, back to like this one here? Yeah. What era is this? So this is, mile, what is this it? is like late seventies, early eighties. It's uh, yeah, it's it's the first digital analog hybrid synth that, that Yamaha brought out. I, I, I think that wow. it might have even hit the world. It's because um, it has presets, and it was actually the keyboard they made for touring acts. Really? If you can believe it, because it's it's it looks big and yeah, it's so it? heavy. It's crazy, and it's a really <laughs> complex inside, like because there's so many digital aspects and there's a lot of voices. It's seven voice polyphony for analog. It's, it's pretty crazy from this time, you know. Um, but it's real particular about the sound. It's about the, 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 the way that it, that it comes out of the outputs oh. and the, the way that it's like the space that it puts in the stereo spectrum that you record it in. Right. All these things. So it's you know, still relevant now? Absolutely. Like, yeah? Oh, yeah. Right. All of these boards are relevant. Yeah. Are they? They're all, they're all what, really distinct. Yeah. So that's what I wouldn't be able to, not, not having the knowledge that you have, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, because we're so brainwashed, I think, in the world at the moment, you know, that everything has to be the latest. Mm. It's the whole Apple philosophy. Everything has to be the, la- the latest. So you wouldn't hang on to anything that wasn't. You know, that was like you know, you don't even hanging on to that for kind of aesthetics or nostalgia right. or something like that. Right. You when know, it comes people. to music and production yeah. and and recording, it's definitely not the case. Really? Yeah, everyone wants the old stuff because is it's better. A, is it? Why is it better? Because it's just made like with better quality. Really? Like when digital came in, it it changed everything. All of a sudden, you didn't need to lug around this big heavy keyboard. Yeah. You could have something that's smaller. Yes. And was capable of making so many more sounds. But the quality of the sounds Wasn't was, good. well, 
I don't know if I'll, I'll, I'll say that, but yeah. it's different. Okay. It's a different sound. Digital sounds different to analog. You know, nice. digital is ones and zeros, mm-hmm. and that's how you make your sound. Mm-hmm. Analog uses electricity. You know, you have yes, power that surges through this oscillator that creates your sound. So it's really unique and it's really organic. It's very different to digital. Digital is like, and even now, like you can, you know, just just gotten this, which is a digital representation of an analog unit. And they've, they've, they've gone to the point where they can make digital sound almost as good as, as, as analog. But I don't really think so because it's... Is something about the electricity that, that, that gives it that organic sound. You really? Know? Is there something about the vibration of electricity or...? I guess like... so. I mean, I, I kind of assimilate it to fire and light, you know? Like, if you see a flame, yeah. it's very different to a light bulb, yes. you know? Yes, There's something really super organic about, about the, fire. the fire that's just mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. It's the same with this and this and that compared to a oh, digital yes, a digital representation what is this of a piano. Me? That is it's just an upright piano. And this is all, oh, that's just the... Yeah, the face is just face. taken off. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it just, you can't, it's to, to make a digital creation of that, they're, they're, yeah. it's getting better and better every day. Like it sounds more, but then as soon as you sit on a piano and play one, it makes you play different, I think. Yeah. You, you, just, you start to interact with the instrument that you're playing because every single one is unique. Every single one is yeah, different. The right. way it's built, the way it's put together, the years, the way it's aged, all this kind of stuff make it what it is. The way it's a little bit out of tune on a particular note, mm. you just can't do that with mm. digital. Everything is intentional. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, there's so much unintentional stuff that make it sound how it sounds. Mm. Exactly the same with this. Intentional things that give it the sound that, that really turns people on. And that's it's crazy because all these companies are making remakes of all the stuff that they used to make because everybody wants them. Bizarre. It is, but it, the real, it's, you know, things were made better back then yeah. because the, the way you thought, like, you, even with, like, hi-fi units, they, they say you should buy an old hi-fi unit for cheap because the quality of the components are always going to be better than the quality of the components they put in now. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, they just put more effort in for some reason. It, it, well, it's, it, I mean, it, this sort of that relates in many ways to all sorts of things in life. Exactly. It, it, and, and even, you know, obviously when it comes to spending the money and putting the effort into the detail and the craftsmanship, obviously, mm. you know, the further you, you go back or certain eras, there's, um, you know, they just, we just don't make things the way we used to. No. This street, and I won't say what street it is, just, but it, it's, we're in Coburg. This street was really interesting uh-huh. because as I was driving here, I was just thinking about um, how many with hiatus coyote predominantly and I know you've mm. got lots of lots of other um, mm-hmm. interests and, and bands but I was thinking God it's it's put you guys on the radar of literally the m- most brilliant people arguably in kind of like pop history at the moment current and you know a couple recent past but and it's taken you to so many, I would imagine, interesting parts of the globe. Yeah. And I love, because I'm a proud Melbourneian, that, mm. you know, that you guys are from Melbourne, because yeah. I think, you know, by default that puts Melbourne on this, you know, on, on the radar and, and in a very cool way. Right. Um, and you choose to, I, I mean, I, I thought that this is where you lived, but this is 
this is your studio. Yeah. Is this your hood? Yeah. Yeah. Driving down this street even, so mm-hmm. I was really quite sort of, you know, I'm a, like, visual person. This street is quite fascinating because it's quite a wide street. Yeah. You've got these very kind of old sort of very grand houses. Then you've got the sort of that, you know, completely different era, which is the really cheap brick and might be the sort of, you know, um, what we would see as, you know, Italian or Greek-inspired with a few of the, yeah. you know, the, um, the white kind of columns and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's the greatest mix visually. It is. And the stories that, you know, would be interesting if you went door knocking. But as I was sort of in my own little world thinking about all of that and wondering yeah. whether this was a place of significance to you creatively or just because it's, you know, where you grew up or whatever. But then I took a photo of that house down the road that's this collapsing, collapsing yeah. house. It actually looks like something out of an old weird um Slightly dark fairy tale. It does, doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, I was, I've been trying to get a photo shoot in there for a band for a long time. I was going to say, <laughs> I've been I thinking about it. I'm like, if Simon, somehow we got to get a photo I'm shoot. I'm sure Simon has noticed this house. What does he think of this house and <laughs> does he know anything about it? It's really fascinating, isn't it? It, it, it is. I, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know, this is, this is my interpretation yeah. of this street. It feels like it's the, the first street that was built in Coburg. Feels really? like I don't know. That, that, yeah, that's what yeah, I feel yeah, like because yeah. there's a lot of wealthy houses on this street. Yeah. Well, actually, and it's, it's 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 the widest street that I've ever been on. It, which in the wide, north, you know, it, correct? Because wide <laughs> streets, I reckon, when you're you're in Melbourne, maybe this is the same of anywhere in the world. But wide streets normally gives off that kind of like vibe that it's quite it's a well-to-do, of course, you know, ex- yeah. expensive. And the place next to yours, yeah, it's a mansion. A mansion. Yeah, it's insane. But what do we know about those? I is that like don't know an anything. Old, nothing. Nothing. No. I think it's just they, they just sold half of it, so it's like it's been split it's up, be into up into two. Yeah. 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 So, so tell me about Coburg. What's that? Is that is this area? Is this where you um, grew up? I know you. No, I I grew up east. I grew up like um, Park Orchards, Warrandyte, Ringwood. Oh yes, okay, yeah, 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 okay. So this is not yeah. your. I moved here originally. in my early twenties, so I've been here for close to fifteen years, maybe longer. It's just in the north side. I've, I've just just because. It was always cheaper, so I, I just mm. moved. Started off in North Fitzroy, and then to to Northcote, and then Coburg, and now I live in Reservoir. So just just gradually keep moving out because yeah. it gets more and more expensive over the years. Yes, and and the, and the more you tour <laughs> the world, the more are you happy to come back to these to your areas, or are they absolutely? Play, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is the spot. This is. I the mean, spot. it's incredible. It's it's the. I remember getting an email last year, and it was saying that. APRA figured out that the north side of Melbourne is the most creative spot in Australia. Really? The most amount of creative people live. Wow. That's where the most royalty checks are sent to, to, is the north side of, of, of Melbourne. So it's just, and, it's, and a, it's just a hub for all the creative people from Australia. Mm. You know, everybody that comes here goes to Melbourne and everyone that is a musician mm. generally moves to the north side of the city. So just in that, it's incredible. It's interesting, isn't it? It's really incredible. Nowhere else in the world has got that. Really? I don't think so. Not that kind of, like, pull. To, you know, to, like, yeah, may, maybe Berlin, extreme. maybe New York, but yeah. they go there for a really specific reason. Mm-hmm. reason. Like, mm-hmm. here, people just start creating music and then they come to Melbourne to to release it, to to further their, their, their you know, their adventure yeah, on music. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter what kind of music it is, and that—that's why 
Melbourne has got such a vast array of incredible genres mm. of music and people really pushing different kinds of, of boundaries and unique styles and mm. and just trying to make creative stuff. That's really you know? exciting. It's really it's really nice to know. I, I must admit, I'm kind of someone that always feels like I need to live near the beach, but right. um, I think you know what, what you don't get with that is is so much of a creative community that you get over here, which is yeah. what I consider fairly hardcore urban. I mean, there's beautiful trees and parks and stuff like that, but yeah. it's away from the beach. Yeah, there's um, still there's there's still a bunch of musicians living on the south side that I that I know, that, that um, but yeah, it just seems like everyone is on this side and if they, they do eventually just sort of start to move up north mm, they sort mm. of start to yes, yes. <laughs> right so tell me um, so you you're not someone like some of my other um, guests in this series that sort of discovered their instrument or just you know began their relationship with a particular instrument you know often in in, in, in ways that were not supported by parents not even an obvious kind of Mm. intentional thing mm. but yours your I mean if I've picked up the right kind of vibe your relationship with obviously the piano and then leading into keyboards was fairly intentional from a from a fairly early age and, yeah. and you you strike me as someone that's been very driven and ambitious with that Would absolutely that be right? yeah sure absolutely what's your what's your youngest memory do you think of of your relationship well I guess it was with the piano or was it yeah, um, my youngest memory is probably when I was three or four. Um, I remember my mum playing piano. I used to wake up to her playing classical tunes. Oh, she used to I? play. Yeah, and I used to wake up and hear her playing. Nice it, was, to wake up. it was really comforting and really beautiful. And then, and uh, yeah, that's my youngest memory. It was wow. was that? So lie in bed I think I, you know I've, I've thought about that a lot, and that's the one that comes to my mind the most. And I don't know if I've now created that memory in my head. Yeah. You know how that can happen yeah, sometimes. Yeah, of you just or sort you of, can, or you and can now I've sort of painted this picture in my head, and now I've got yeah. this quite a. An image in my my head of what it was, and yeah. it's like, is that actually the truth? Well, I, I think there would anymore. have to be enough of the truth in there, whether whether you've painted it or exactly. glossed it up a little exactly. bit, it doesn't really matter, does it? But that's definitely the first memory of of uh, the piano. It was Mum playing. And was she uh, was she sort of the one that said, "Let's get you sort of"? I mean, who? Yeah, you yeah. My my sister started playing first, and she was getting lessons, and then one day. Mum just heard her or someone playing the piano from the kitchen, and it was sounding a lot better than it normally did. Yeah. And it was me. I was I was playing <laughs> some I of her songs. She came in and she saw me just sort of playing one of Kath's songs, and she was like, "Okay, you're going to get the lessons now." Really? And it was yeah. And then from then, I, I got lessons, and my teacher and they all said I had a really good ear, and I was very mm. talented, and, and I should pursue music. And that kind of pushed me into it, I guess. And I, I, you know, I guess that was a good thing. But at the same time, it definitely pushed a lot of other things out of my life that I mm. could have, like I could have potentially. Um, what sort of things did it push out of the way? Everything. I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. all of a sudden, like that's the thing I'm good at. That's that's what I'm doing. And, so how and that old sort of were became my thing. That, when when it was sort of like that, that recognition was sort of made that right. I, as soon as, as, as soon as it, ha- it started, like, 
when what I was, age was that? five, five. Uh, yeah, oh God, you know, really and then it just every year I had a, a private teacher and I would get lessons and just I did the classical repertoire and did that for, you know, close to 10 years. And then when I got to, to high school, I was still doing it. And I didn't really play music with other people that much. Mm. I just practiced and did my exams and continued that on. And, and it was only when I got to high school, not really as much, but university was when I really made a, a deeper connection with music, I think, mm. when I started playing with other people. Yeah. That's, that's when I was, I sort of went, whoa, okay, this is... Because you've been you on got, your I, own. Got, I got the tingle down my spine, and when I was improvising with other people, and you know, and then, and that that's that was the that was the drug. That was the the first time I really it hit me, and I was like, okay, this I want and more. You, I want more of that. Did it hit you in a way of kind of like because you said you've obviously and I can you know obviously imagine as an average kid, um, all of the things that you obviously do and you know hanging out with friends and doing this and doing that and even just flapping around in, in the in the space of what if and mm. but when you discover your kind of maybe your purpose your passion or both or so early yeah I can see that that then becomes like I have a thing to do whereas a lot of other kids are still just being kids and maybe a long way off discovering what they're yeah. good at m- maybe never do which yeah. is the, the sad thing that happens sort of in the world, but in that moment when you discovered the kind of improvising and, and that you had, did you feel like a sense of like, oh god, that was all worthwhile being alone and studying and doing all that because now I've come to a point where I'm actually going to be able to, I now have enough to go into a room and improvise like the, this this mm. new kind of like door opens for you, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's, that's you, that's a that's a really difficult thing to. To did say yes or no about because it's like, you know, it, everything you do creates you as as, as who you are. Mm. But uh, I think when I when I started playing with hiatus, that really shifted my whole view on that because I was dealing with, you know, on on one hand, two people that that hadn't really intellectualized music that much mm-hmm. in the sense of going to a, a university or even studying it, you know, in a formal way. They studied it in their own way, yeah. you know, for Just many, many years, yeah. completely self-taught. And then one other guy who was the same as me, who had gone through universities and was quite thorough about his studies. And when I started working with those two, it totally sort of changed my whole outlook about it. And I just wanted to disregard everything that I'd learned right. and every, everything about the institution's and I was, I was just like, wow! It's just all about the music, you know. This, what's and you're all eager. this stuff that you learn from people, and all these things that people tell you to learn to make you a better musician. Mm-hmm. What does that all mean? Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what makes you a better musician. Yeah. You have to listen to the things that really turn you on and learn them, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone going, "This is what you should learn because mm-hmm. it's going to make you a much better musician." Mm-hmm. Which is what a lot of that's what we all did when we go to university. You go there, you sit down, and you go, "What do I learn?" Yeah. Which is crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. when it comes to music. Yes. It's like you should just be learning it's whatever not, the hell turns you on. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I really realized when I started working with with hiatus, because that's all those two had ever done, mm. and and it shone through so much in their musicality and their playing. And the way that they perform. Were they confident or did they feel, you know, in any way kind of like, oh, it's the same as everyone. Everyone's got their own insecurities Insecurities, about their their music. 
but about who they are and how they perform, and that's just a given, I think. How did yeah. you come to meet each other? Oh, it was... Uh, it seems like a very yeah. I mean, Bender was the Bender met Nay first. He saw her playing a solo gig, and he was just went up to her and said, "I really want to work with you. I want, I want to put a band together for you and, mm. and make you know this music happen because it has to." And then she kind of freaked out, and he saw her again a year later. Bumped into her. Was it all a bit much like? Yeah, I think she was just like, oh, okay, here's this weirdo. And then and then a year later, they bumped into each <laughs> other again. And he was just like, hey, let's do this. So they got together and he started writing out a lot of her music, like transcribing it and putting it together. Because what she had written was pretty heavy music for a self-taught person. It's the first time I've collaborated with someone who didn't know what they're doing and was writing some heavy shit, it's basically. deep. Yeah, really, really heavy shit. Quarterly, like, theory-wise, it was just like, whoa, she's doing some really incredible stuff that she's only using her ear. And like I was saying, only using the stuff that really turns her on to create this music, which is incredible. Mm. You know, I don't think people think about that enough. The relationship she has to something just coming through her because that's how she's feeling in that moment. Exactly. And I think generally you're fine with that kind of music and that kind of depth in the music there won't be that much heart there'll generally be a lot more intellectualism there'll generally be a lot more people that will be playing it because they've learnt it or they'll be utilising that particular chord or that particular rhythm or that particular method because someone's shown it to them Mm -hmm. as opposed to falling in love with it but with Does her, that make was sense? There, yes, but was with her, are you saying that, that it was uh, a very a deeper intellectual connection, thing? A deeper connection. No. No, no intellectual. Hers was coming from the heart. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's the difference. I think that's what people really fell in love with, with hiatus, was the, the connection that Nay makes with... With the the yeah the the deep the just just her heart like her emotions yeah. come out in the music so much, and that that's that's what really hit me first when we started playing together because I did I had to just abandon all the like Ben had written all this music out and we're trying to read it and we're trying to yeah. make sense of it and it didn't work and we were like okay let's just get rid of that and just play and we just started playing through the songs and and again like. You know, uh, just completely abandon the theoretical point of views yeah, and, yeah. Just, and just and Leave just uh, yeah, and just yeah, and just try and just go. All. Okay, well, how is this making me feel? And make that come out. And that's kind of how I had to start approaching it. And even now, but she must I, have got something out I of try your my, approach too. Yeah, yeah, maybe both learning on both sides. I mean, because you can. Yeah, I mean. Well, I needed my my theoretical analysis to understand the music. Yeah, but then right. I had to discard Which it. Which is helpful, obviously, to of the course. neurosis. I mean, cause I mean, if I didn't have that, it would have taken me a lot longer to get the music. Yeah. But because we have that, we can pick it up super quick yeah. and then carry on. But if you don't disregard it, once, you know, it's it's there, but mm. you don't need it until mm. you need it. And when you do need it, then you've got to get rid of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> if yeah. you hang on to it too long, yes. then it fucks with the music, you know? Like, all of a sudden, it's it's not about the music or the emotions anymore. Mm. It's about the notes, you know? And it's about... Yeah, and that's what's really difficult with with this kind of music, or, or just, just with intellectualized music in general. Mm. 
just becomes too fucking intellectualized. You know? Yeah. And you got to disregard that. And that's why, like, the music that I really love and connect with is singer-songwriters that I think, you know, don't think about that kind of stuff. Mm. That's that's the stuff that I end up listening to. What sort of, what's like about? Nick Drake and Elliot Smith and, and, you know, Jeff Buckley and all, all that kind of stuff. Mm. I used to listen to a lot when I was younger and I, and I never... I always wondered why did do I come back to that? Why do I always end up listening to that late at night? Mm. Or you know, it's something that I, I I just sit there and I can just listen to it and and, let, and feel the emotions that they're mm-hmm. they're putting out, as opposed to listening to a jazz record. Which don't get me wrong, there's still so much emotion and, and rawness to it and, and, and beauty and incredibleness. But for some reason, I just start to intellectualize about it and you think about what in yeah, the and then I start to think because you know it's what I've studied and. Yes. And that's tiring sometimes, you know, and when I don't have to think about that kind of stuff. I don't know, like, this, this, you know, at the same time, this is, this is just how I'm feeling right now, and, yeah, and in a month, I'm, I'm, I, might, I might be like, no, what am I talking about? Bill Evans is all about the emotion, yeah, and he yeah. disregards all of the theory, and, and, he, and he does, in a way, like, you know, and it, but I, I, I guess I'm just trying to prove a point. Now, a little bit of a chat about my sponsors. So I've been producing and hosting podcast shows for a couple of years now. And during this time, there's been a lot of trial and error with my recording process. There's been a few unfortunate stuff-ups that I won't bother going into, but then there's just been lots and lots that I've learned about sound and actually what makes me feel comfortable especially when I'm sitting in front of some pretty cool and important people that I'm interviewing. And what I've realized in terms of me really enjoying making a show instead of being quite anxious is that I'm at my best when my setup is really simple but has a sound quality that I can be proud of. So I'm now using the Steinberg UR22 recording pack and, oh, my God, it's such a breath of fresh air. When I got it, I was actually enjoying a red wine with Sarah McLeod, one of my guests in this series, And as a professional musician, she told me she was really impressed with the UR22. So that made me feel pretty good from the beginning. And it's been, it's been really good ever since. And I just think if you're a singer, musician or podcaster, if you're starting out or you're already in the throes of doing your thing, why don't you go and check out the Steinberg UR22 recording pack? And you can do so at bettermusic.com.au forward slash UR22 recording pack. And now back to my guest. How much do you think you've changed in the way kind of you think about music since you've been with hiatus? And like, I mean, you're in here today. I mean, do you? Is it still with hiatus that you that that is it Naomi that writes the songs, or you all you write like how? What's the pro the music making process for you guys now? It's everything. Anything flies. So if you if you. Um, if you if a piece of music that you've been working on, or mm-hmm. whatever, or something comes to you, mm-hmm. you'll take that to mm-hmm. the creative yeah. process. Yeah, we'll just bring yeah. it to the band, we'll work it, make it into a thing, and then it becomes a song. You know, generally, Nay, because she always writes her own lyrics, and that's a thing, so mm. generally. If one of the boys brings something to the band, it's not really a completely figured out, nutted out song. Like, 
there's been one or two where it's kind of been pretty close to that, but mm. generally it's just a, a vague idea, and then we'll turn it into a song, and they'll write on top of it and bring some lyrics and a vocal melody or something like that, if a melody isn't already implied. Yeah. But with Nay, she she might just bring a whole song in because, yeah, that's how it works. Like, yeah, she'll she'll just write a song on her guitar mm. and then bring it in, and then we'll all kind of produce it, I guess. Got it. But these 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 days, she's really strong about you know her, her feelings about the song as well, so. She she has a really she's just got an incredible ear and she so she 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 just knows exactly what what she thinks should be there and mm. and so if if she brings a song and she'll have a pretty good idea about how, how she wants it to go yeah you know how does your mum feel about your success oh she loves it yeah do you, do, you, do you, does she know that you go around telling the story a lot of her waking up and hearing her play the piano in the morning she was. I don't know. Oh, you must tell her. <laughs> I think she knows. Yeah. She actually, She's very yeah. humble. She definitely knows, yeah. I think Dad actually checks out more about the band than Mum does. Does he's, he? He's, he's gotten more into social media since the success of Hiatus, and he's always telling me about things, and I'm like, what? Oh, that's so cool. He'd be like, oh, even this thing's happened to Hiatus, and I was like, oh, really? And he just knows more about it than I do. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. What does yeah. he do? Is he a musical person? No. I mean, he's, he started learning piano over the last couple of years. Did he? Yeah, mum's been teaching him piano. Oh, I think he's sweet. just retired. He's, he's a professor, he's a civil engineer. Oh, and okay. so he's been a lecturer and at universities for right. 40, 50 odd years now. But that's so cute that he's, I mean, it's never too late to learn anything. I think he's just retired and he's just learning new things. He's like, oh, he started drawing and he's got time to do whatever he wants. So there's a piano in the house, so. I think he just... Have they come to um, any gigs outside Australia? Outside Australia? No, I don't think so. They flew up to Sydney for the Sydney Opera House gig. That was really special. That would have been amazing. Yeah. That would have been super special. Yeah, it was. It was really, it was a really amazing gig. And the, everyone's sort of families came up to that, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, so if he's, if he's following you on social media, he'd probably be sort of seeing all of, you know, a few posts here and there that indicate something big's happened but he probably doesn't know who who the people are or right. he might he might now but um so there's lots of like you know kind of like i was thinking about it the other day of that whole like i said before we started recording something about be careful what you wish for which is really kind of you know i guess sort of for in your example as a young boy and and you know obviously going okay well i'm good at something i want to pursue something I've got half a goal, which would probably progressively change. But it is weird, I think, when you arrive... Well, I don't know, you can tell me, but when you arrive at it... Well, I have it from... I, I'm obviously applying it to myself. In, you know, There's moments in my life, whether it's career or even just friendships and places that I've ended up in the world where you go, oh, my God, imagine back if I was, like, you know, 8 or 14, if I could tell myself. So this is what's going to happen in your life. Yeah. Um, it would be, and probably even like you know, not long before hiatus, but some of the surreal career things that have happened to you, well, and the band, and half of them I was tr trying to kind of make like last week. I think there was a tweet on your uh, maybe Naomi tweeted it or something about Jay Z and Beyonce using a sample for mm. some What's what was that about? Like, wow, yeah, they just sampled the old live track that we recorded at Revolt in Kensington. Do you find out about that through the publisher or do you not, like, yeah. do you obviously, yeah. Yeah, so. well, a couple of days before it dropped, but, you know, we they, they, they called us up and had to play us, I think they played 
um, our manager and Nay a version of the the song over the phone and said, you know, this is what we're doing. Yeah, it's just cool. You, you gotta you gotta accept you know you know approve it. You've got to approve it, yeah. And that's it. And then then they drop it. But it, it's you know there's 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 no real connection between us and those artists. The mm. the the connection comes from the producers that work with those artists. So in that case, oh, I forget who it was. It was those two guys that I think brought that track to them. So they they would have made the 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 track and then shown like, it to them and they would have approved it and put their stuff on top. So, I mean... That, that, the that, two degrees of separation that can happen from, you know, the, the boy that grows up in, you know, Reservoir or whatever and, you know, ends up yeah. in a band to, you know, uh, that it's, band's... To be on the same track as Beyonce. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it is. crazy. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's... And, and it's the same... So, and again, excuse my ignorant, no, ignorance, but the Drake... What's the story between you? Yeah, Drake. Drake and the band. The band. Yeah, he 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 loves the band. He he um, I think the last tour he did, he was opening up his the whole show. Like he was walking out to building a ladder, which is a hiatus song that we put on "Choose Your Weapon," and uh, yeah, that that we we sort of found out about that that he was walking out to that song, and which was nuts because that. That's kind, of, that's kind of a song that I brought to the band and it's just, it's really, yeah, it's just nuts. When I was playing it and writing it, I was I was sort of imagining a, it's just like a, a really dark, huge crowd with spotlight on, on Nay and I was just like, I was just really, like I was feeling this song and I'm like, oh, this will be an amazing song to perform to a huge crowd. It's really got that kind of vibe. And oh then God. it's kind of happened, <laughs> you know. And I'm just sort of sitting there and thinking, "Oh my God, my piano playing is opening up Drake's concerts every single one of them." And then he put that on one of his tracks. And now him and Nay are, are pretty close; they talk all the time. And and I think she 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 was just on a track on his last record, and and uh, that's pretty oh nuts. God. And then Kendrick Lamar as well did one on his, but the, you know, it's which is another huge. Huge, like the biggest hip hop artist in the last couple of years, Kendrick, and I think Ninth Wonder was the guy that that created that track and and produced that for for Kendrick. And but he Ninth Wonder's a big fan of Hiatus, and he's mm. he's done a whole bunch of remixes of some of our stuff that hasn't been released. But you know, we'll just you know, like the, I I think I'm not sure how it works, but I'm, I'm imagining that these kinds of producers will just have a whole bag of of samples and tracks that they've sort of put together and then they'll just show them to these artists and they'll they'll, they'll be like that one yeah. and then you know luckily enough our, our our music you know sits right and it's in the right pocket and it kind of makes me said before about the being you know the difference between you know a sort of artificial light and the organic and the, yeah. the fire and that kind of thing it's like literally it just seems like you know the blend of you guys and the blend of the energy that you sort of bring mm-hmm. Um, it's like, yeah, it's like you guys are orga- organically. This has become something that is really on fire. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's it's it's, 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 it's the know, emotional it's connection that that we that I think are pour that pour in, that we pour into it. I mean, mm. when we were first starting to to work together, 
you know, we're working on some of Nay's songs and trying to put them together, and she's crying because she's like, I don't, I don't know, like, this is so strange that you guys are playing my music. And it's just like her connection with them is so deep that, you know, she it's. She doesn't know whether she's cheating on them or she's doing. Yes, it's them. heavy. And I'm just sitting yeah. there going, what the hell is going on? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is, this I don't thick, remember you know. being taught this. Yeah. When and, your lead singer starts crying, this yeah. is very normal. <laughs> You know, but that's wow. that's that just proves how deep her connection is with her music. You know, with the music, which which I, I think in turn is what people like about it, and that's what makes such a huge connection. And that, that's how people can create these deep connections with our music. Mm. Is because in today's music, it's really difficult to find that kind of stuff. Mm. Like people True. people yearn for it. And people will try and put an emotional connection to their music when they put it in. But a lot of the time, you can see straight through it. I think, you know, like I, I listen to a lot of music and I, and, I, and I hear insecurities in it. Or I hear certain emotions that aren't that true rawness. Mm. And fuck everything else. It's all about this. Mm. You know, and like there's so many distractions that we these, mm. these, these things fucking, you yeah. know like constantly Sorry. being distracted all the time yeah. and that and I think that kind of pours through in popular music a lot mm. in contemporary music definitely mm. and that's that's what I think people I mean that that's what I yearn for if, if I hear music where someone's really on this like mm-hmm. kind of path they're on this yeah. this really you, like single channel thing that's yeah, you get so. Sort of you hear it and you know it yeah. straight away. You're just like, whoa, they're on, they're on something. Mm. They're they're definitely connecting to the music. But even I think you know, in your the way you were talking about the song that, um, sorry, what was the name of the song that Drake? Oh, building a ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Building um, but even just that kind of like that magicianry um, mm. of when you're, where did you write that song? What was your kind of? Just in Northcote. Mm. Just in a in a studio or in just in the show house that I was living in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. But being in that kind of like, yeah, I mean, taking off into that zone where you're picturing all of these, you know, kind of dark light, spotlight, big audience, and a, there's a, that a spiritual quote that you know a friend of mine always says to me, you know, just put it out to the universe, just ask for that mm. or something better. Mm. And it's not not like Drake is something better than Naomi at all. Mm. But there's a two pretty big elements that you've, and that's what being a magician is really. It's it's thinking about magician or a magician. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, magician um, is literally sort of casting a spell on something so it yeah. becomes real. Yeah. Oh my god! Just talking about magicians, I, I I just watched. Do you know Darren Brown? He's an incredible magician from the UK. Is he got a series on Netflix at the moment? He does. There's, okay, there's, no, I haven't watched it, but I would like to. You should watch it. It's I, I watched it last night. It's just an episode. It's, it's like a live show that he does in front yeah. of a crowd, and he and it's he's just phenomenal. I yeah. It's but are there tricks to next his, level. his being a magician, or is there something weird going on? Uh, he he does a whole bunch of stuff. He does that neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he does, and he's like hypnosis, and, oh, okay. and you know, he, he, you know, he was sort of touch you on the arm and change the way he talks about his sentence and sort of jumbles his words up oh. to make people sort of say certain things, and a lot of wow. just um, manipulation to, to people, and, 
and in this particular episode, he 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 shows how the the pastors, you know, that that heal people. He he just he just does that. Wow. He does that for like half an hour and, and heals maybe thirty or forty people in the audience, and okay. just shows how they do it. You know, and this it, it's, and he it's show, he, yeah, he does it. He just does it. He says it's not about you know. He, yeah, I, I won't say any more. But like, it's it's incredible. It's it's a really incredible Ooh, uh, to, example okay. of 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 it. Yeah, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so probably, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a, a few um, a few budding pianists, keyboardists out there that probably would just like to, if they're dabbling away. <laughs> Want to want to hear maybe something that uh, I guess you know looking at all the places that the piano and, and keyboard has taken you so far and mm. God knows where it's going to take you in the future. Mm. Um, what what you know what 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 is your feeling about I guess discovering this instrument because you take that away and you're standing away from a hell of a lot of incredible experiences like mm. is it being worth it yeah absolutely you know I feel robbed starting so early or anything like that <laughs> oh I don't think you can look look at life like that no. I think I think it's 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 all a part of who you are and if mm. you think of anything as a positive or a ne- negative experience in your past it, 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 yeah, it, 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 it just defeats the purpose of living. Like anything that you, if, if you know, an, a negative experience that I had makes me who I am, and that's positive. You know, like how I don't know. I I don't really like to look into it too much because I think mm. you drive yourself crazy if you sort of analyze your past too much. Too much, yeah. Absolutely, it's just about the moment. Mm. I'm living in the moment and trying to trying to be who you are which I, I think is the most difficult thing and I have to remind myself of that every morning when I wake up it's like okay I'm in the moment what am I doing yeah let's do this let's create and that's that's I think for me that's that's the toughest thing is is if you do sort of set yourself goals to achieve in in life and like mm. I, I I definitely did when it, when I finished university I I set myself a goal of of um, living off live performing. Mm. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't really care what kind of music I was making. But that was your next sort of hopefully achievable Exactly. Achievable exactly. Yeah. It was like I want to live off playing music. Yeah. And I did that. It took me a while. It took me about 18 months to get to the point where I could just completely sort of survive so barely off off, yeah, yeah. off off music. I'm surviving. I yeah, and then once I got to that stage, I was like, okay, I want to I want to survive off playing original music, mm-hmm. not necessarily my own. So then I started working with other bands, not just doing corporate gigs and weddings and whatever the hell I could get my hands on. Mm. I started working with like uh, a bunch of different bands around Melbourne that were touring, and and all of a sudden I found myself in a situation where I was playing with four or five maybe six different bands that were performing Latin music jazz pop reggae blues yeah just doing a whole mixed bag of different kind of styles and once I was doing that for a few years and was really in the thick of it I was like uh, I was like okay how am I going to make original music that's my own and live off that. Mm. And that was the next one, which that is would, which that, is which is the probably the biggest one for everybody. I was going to say that would have been the next. That would have been a, a, quite a big 
jump. It might have felt like it was going to yeah. be a big jump. Yeah, because it's, it's a completely different thing to what I was doing. I was being a session musician yeah. and I was playing everyone else's music mm. and I wasn't really writing that much, mm. you know. Did you? Dabbling in writing a little bit, but not as a full-time thing. And when hiatus came along and all of a sudden I was in this project where I could uh, input my creativity on an equal platform and it started to grow and get more recognition and then I started to leave the other projects that I was working in, you know, on the side and then all of a sudden it was just this and, and, and a handful of other things and now it's like, okay, what's my next goal? I was going to say, you like, know, what do well I do now? done that and you've you've ticked off yeah so things, i'm just kind right? of I'm, these these days i'm Does thinking that worry like you that you almost get to a point where you go god we've got i've got all these incredible fixes like some people some people would go okay well you know my next thing you know our band's doing really well and blah 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 yeah. okay wouldn't it be wonderful if we got like discovered by a couple of huge kind of artists that i really rate yeah it's like you've kind of done that as well yeah yeah is there a fear of like well it's like you know i, I, I think goal, what is i it? think a lot of I, I, well, when I was doing the session stuff and, and trying to be a, a professional musician, like uh, one of the goals was to tour the world, and that's I, I think probably what a lot of musicians want to do yeah. is like do the world touring thing. And then once you start actually doing it, you sort of and you do it for a while, you sort of start to realize like, oh my god, you cannot do this for life. This like, is, yeah, this, this is, is insane. Yeah. This is like you. You've, I think I've aged like fifteen years yeah, in the yeah. last four years. Yes. It's crazy how yeah. how exhausting it is, yeah. how mentally draining it is, how it's incredible. Don't get me wrong; like it's 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 a phenomenal experience to be playing a different show in a different country every night. You know, it's it's, it's nuts. It's not healthy at no, all. It's no. terrible for and you, especially for. I mean, you know, highly sensitive. I mean, you probably can do it healthy, are. but. But, you know, I've, I've just been, like, sort of checking out sleep and how important sleep is over the last couple of weeks and listening to some, some podcasts on sleep. And, and it's like, whoa, we didn't sleep at all when we were on tour. You know, we'd get maybe no, two, three hours a night. And then you, you, you wake up and you're back on the road again. And then you're doing that for three to eight months of the year. It's insane. And... Sleep's really important. It's so important. It's incredibly important, and it's it's irreversible damage that you're doing to your body. Blah blah blah. Anyway, it's so you know once you get to the, that was like such a big goal so of mine. Like, you did it, and then now I'm like, <laughs> how do I get? Well, what the hell's the point of, of these goals? Like, yeah, you know, you're just constantly going like this, and then you get to the end, and you're 90 years old, and you're like. I'm tired. Done all my goals. Great. Dead. (laughs) Finish. You know? I'm just tired. What's the point? So I I, I don't know. Now I'm just like, okay, I'm just kind of live every moment, live in the moment and try and be as stress-free and positive about myself and, and, and create and just kind of continue. So the goal is maybe to be... To learn how to master being more fluid, but with a lot more wisdom, yeah. and do that in a healthy way. I think way. so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, but there's still there's, there's always going to be goals because we are yeah, we're kind of our goal orientated yeah. beings. Like, mm. if you don't have things to, to strive towards, the hell are you doing? But I think, especially as a musician too, because I think it's 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 one of those spaces that it'd be very easy to just keep kind of like sitting around, being the hermit, enjoying yourself, disconnecting with the world, creating what you want to create, mm. not finishing a lot of things, mm. 
you know, enjoying feeling like I'm, I'm already doing what I want to do, but, you know, you've got to pay the bills. You've got to get, you know, you've got to get outside of the yeah. the house or the studio, you know. So yeah. I think that I think that's, that's you know, insightful to say the goals, but also to know at some point um, it, it might be better not to have the goals yeah. and to just sit and go, what do I fit? Stop take. Yeah. Bit of a spiritual stop take. Yeah, spiritual stop take. And if you can get an early night that night, just take it. Yeah. Take it, back yeah. it up. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know you've got other work to do, so I'm going oh, to good. leave you with your red velvet uh, lamington in your room. <laughs> Thank you. Really. It's very That's pretty, amazing. It's uh, very thankful. Thank, Thank you, you so much. No worries. you enjoyed this episode i want to thank yamaha music australia for getting on board and supporting this series please visit au.yamaha.com forward slash podcast to find out more about new products and promotions and if you'd like to help us spread the musical love it would be great if you could subscribe to our series via itunes and leave us a review if you feel inclined to hear more podcasts from me you can head to amberpetty.com.au.